What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bit by Bit podcast, the only show approved for robot consumption. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Phillips, alongside the giant man with the master plan, Hayden Gertz. I have no plans. It's all just, it's all just dumb. It's all just dumb. It's just dumb. I'm a nerd. What's up, nerds? What up? Today we're talking about movies. Uh, our our master list of sorts, kind of like the movies that we feel like not everybody has seen, but that we feel like they should. Yeah, movies you haven't seen but probably should have by this point. Yeah. Or else you're a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get into it. What uh, what criteria did you put around your list of movies? So the I tried to pick uh, um, movies from different genres, but there are also movies that are less likely to have you know scrolled across your Netflix screen or or talked about in your circles, but that are great uh, underrated films for that reason, and films that once you see them you are now part of the illustrious group of people who have seen them, and now you are the people that go to other people. You're part of the group that goes to the other groups and go, why haven't you seen this movie? You're a bad person. Let me make you a better person. <laughs> That's basically it. Once, once you've seen, you know, once you've seen a film that you think is great, that you, especially when you think that other people haven't seen it, then you want to be the one, you know, it's a, the human condition. You want to go and inter- introduce other people to things you like and, and want them to see that they're great. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of along the lines that that uh, the movies that I picked. I mean, they're not necessarily good. Well, <laughs> so here's the deal. Sandwiches. They're not. Sa- I'll finish each other's sandwiches. Uh, they're they're not uh, all in IMDb's top two fifty. You know, they shouldn't be. They're they're movies that I that that I saw and I thought that has something worthwhile in it that. A lot of people would probably overlook or may have just been in the background and haven't haven't seen it or, you know, could could have just been a movie that they missed along the way. Uh, So, Hayden, what's your first movie that you're going to? My first film is number one, two, Angry Men, 12 Angry Men. I don't know what I was going with there, but we're we're going to we're going to run with it. Nailed it. So 12 Angry Men is a black and white film from the 50s, 57, I believe. And it's it's basically a crash course in the promise in the Constitution that all defendants are allowed a fair a fair trial in the U.S. court system, with the exception of a very short um, uh, scene at the beginning and an even shorter one at the end. The entire the entirety of the movie takes place in one room. It is the jury deliberation room right after you see that. The, the basically the judge says it's an opening shot case uh, but because of his demeanor and his tone and his inflection. Then the jury retires and they spend the entire movie deliberating whether or not this kid committed murder. Mm-hmm. The, the clear cut verdict at the end is never is never actually read. So it's not about, uh, you know, leaving you hanging. They they definitely come to a decision. And but but you don't see until the end uh, what that is. 
and there's a lot of back and forth. It's it's a very simple premise. The uh, the the best part, if you ask me, is that it, the, the twelve men from twelve different backgrounds, uh, not twelve ethnicities, but very close to it. Several of them speak different languages as their first language, and the the foreman, the front, the the number one juror doesn't really know what he's doing. So everybody kind of takes their turn running the show, and the 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 apex of the film for me is at the very end they 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 do a camera span across the entire table showing mm. all the all the props that they've used and kind of uh puts the movie in perspective they they uh all leave the they all leave the court the jury room having made their decision and that's it and it seems pretty silly but it's just watching the movie is the explanation of why it's great like you just say that and you could compare it to a you know a bunch of other movies that you know, kind of have that that tone where you just have a single room. And there are other movies on my list that also just take place in a single room. But I, th- I think that the explanation of why it's great is just to go see it. Plus, you don't want to spoil it, so I don't want to say too much. But 12 men, 12 different backgrounds, 12 different ideas of what makes life great. And they just deliberate, come to a decision, and that's it. It's pretty simple, pretty great. Yeah, I that's that movie along with... Uh, I'm pretty sure a few of the movies on your list uh, are ones that you actually introduced to me, and good taste is good taste. Yeah, the first time that I watched it, you were to- you were totally right. Just yeah, the, the nail right on the head. Yeah, I my my favorite bit with that movie is I mean really really at the beginning that gets the ball rolling for the movie is you said you know, said the judge said oh it's an open and shut case yeah he just looks at it and goes well you guys can retire because we know you're going to be back in 10 minutes yeah with your decision the my favorite part is basically this guy's reaction of is it right and that just like unravels everything and everybody's like okay let's make a movie out of this (laughs) basically yeah let's take the time not to give too much away but there's there's one person who kind of uh fights for fights for uh the other side that they you know whether they all think uh, initially that he's innocent or guilty, one person swings the other way and kind of gets the conversation going and then back and forth and back and forth. It's great. One scene. So the entirety of the of the movie is is um, is run on the dialogue and the characters. Mm-hmm. There's no no special effects, no nothing. Just pure movie magic. I mean, he, he fights to keep a fair and just system that, sure. they're, that they're using it's sure just, it's just so great it's so good yeah it's great it's kind of the it's kind of the the uh exhibit a for other films that go well i, I don't know how many times i've it's, it's quite a few if i've heard it once i've heard it 15 times mm-hmm. where someone goes well it's not as good as 12 angry men and they're trying to do the same thing so why are you trying to reinvent the wheel right so yeah it's great go see it stop listening to this and go see it <laughs> i i uh, i can't prove it but I would say that uh, there was a movie that came out in 2003 called Runaway Jury that mm-hmm. I feel like was heavily influenced by this movie. Yeah. Uh, it had John Cusack. It also had um, Gene Hackman. And John Cusack's character basically, he, 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 weas- he kind of weasels his way into the jury. It's, it's a little bit different, but just the method that he does of kind of turning, turning things around and he he uses things to take control of the jury um, sure. in, in this layout of 
you know, Gene Hackman's character kind of uh, assembles the jury to be in his favor because he's the defense lawyer for this big gun company or something along those lines. Um, so then uh, John Cusack's character goes in and basically takes all of the the stacking that Gene Hackman's character did and just totally turns it on its head. Flips and, it on its head, yeah. yeah. So that's uh, not part of my list. It just made me think of that. It's a that's also a good movie. That's a honorable mention. I would I'll say. allow it. <laughs> Sustained. Overruled. So speaking of John Cusack, uh, that actually brings me to my the first movie on my list uh, is a movie called Identity. Uh, hey, have you heard of this movie? Do you know what it's uh, about? I have, but I have not seen it, which is. Identity kind of plays into the same category as the movie. I don't know if you've seen Ten Little Indians. Uh, it's the the same the same story as uh, and then there were none, which was written by Agatha Christie. Uh, it's a murder murder novel. So the the premise of the of and then there were none is that these people go to this island. In Ten Little Indians, it's a desert. It's a you know kind of different time frame setup that they do, but uh, they somebody somebody invites them there. They think it's some parties, whatever, but they get there and there's no one there, and they start talking to to each other like, well, who are you? What's what's your purpose here? And they find out that they've got little things in common. And people start dying off randomly. So they they come in and one person's been, uh, you know, thrown off a, uh, the cliff or something like that. So in Identity, it's basically the same concept with uh, a hotel, like a motel setting. And there's a there's a twist that happens about halfway through the movie and then also at the very end that both of those twists made me go, oh, man, it's worth <laughs> this is worth being on the list, you know? Sure. It's good. Like I said, John Cusack uh, identity came out 2003 worth the watch. I would say it's a it's a good uh, it's it's rated R. I think there's a little bit of a little bit of like blood and stuff because it was it was made in the last 10 years. Or I mean, so. so is no country. Right. Oh, I mean, yeah. uh, Twelve Angry Men. Yeah. Guess what my next film is. What's your next film, Hayden? Uh, Toy Story three. Yes. Just kidding. Oh. Uh, no Country for Old Men. Mm. It is probably uh, there are a couple of movies that I uh, are on my favorites list that I wish I had seen in theaters, but I haven't. But I think this is it, if this isn't my my best movie going experience ever, uh, then it's something when I was a kid, just you know, seeing Lion King. I don't know something in theaters, going, wow, this is amazing. I'm seven. You know, whatever. I don't get yeah. to go to the theater all the time. <clears throat> no Country for Old Men, Coen Brothers film, uh, is the it's the quintessential movie going experience. It's the reason that you want to sit in a big room and not know what's happening next. The entire film, once the once uh, Javier Bardem's uh, antagonist is established, the entire film you're on pins and needles at any at any specific moment. There's very little music in the film. So it, it from scene to scene, it's just it's just beautifully done the way it transitions. And Javier Bardem's character, uh, Anton, is uh, I, I don't think that there's been a character with as much um, 
quiet aggression. Oh man, yeah, as, as since since um, since Silence of the Lambs, sure. just kind of out of the box um, insanity. But he's got it under control. Yeah, kind of like if um, you know, kind of like if uh, like a, a mummy under wraps. If the mummy was a little insane, you know, just kind of it's all there. You can tell his brain is working correctly. But it, it's it's not for good. It's not for justice. It's not for the American way. It's it's for all the other things. The story really involves around the uh, finding of some money that uh, came about between the chase of a guy um, played by Josh Brolin and who stumbles across the, mo- uh, the money in a, a drug deal gone wrong in the middle of the in the desert and uh, in America, but in the middle of the desert and a surprisingly principled assassin is Anton finds out about the money and now starts chasing uh, Josh Brolin, who, you know, has the money and the whole while the sheriff who is played by Tommy Lee Jones. Right. Oh man. He, he is chasing Anton who's chasing Josh. Mm -hmm. And it's just this, it's just this eloquent uh, chase. And Tommy Lee Jones is already up in years. This is 2007. So he's already he's already pretty old. So it's 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 much less about the actual when when you get there. This isn't a this isn't a brute force. This is not the Hulk. This is not Marvel. This is, you know, um, tactile. Yeah. Kind of um, fighting. You know, as soon as the cat gets out of the bag and any scene, the rest of it kind of, uh, you know, just starts to go haywire until somebody escapes the end of the movie is not a cliffhanger as much as it is. It is, but it's it is it isn't that as much as it just leaves you wanting more. Oh, I yes. slapped when I first watched it. I was sitting in my living room, my old house, and I just slapped my hands together, kind of like hot dog. But just, yeah, that's really it. Yeah, this is really what you're doing to me, Cohen. Ugh. and I just I loved it and I hated it, and then I ended up loving it because there was just really no other. There, there was really no other way to uh, feel about the film when it's all over. It also has a really iconic line. Call it. You know, he, he goes into a gas station, gets the nuts that he wants to eat, and then decides whether or not he's going to kill that guy right there. Oh. There's, this, there's this famous scene where he, he, has a, he has a coin, he flips it, puts his hand on it, and then he has this great back and forth with the, the, the older gentleman behind the counter in this middle-of-the-nowhere gas station, Who's like, why, why, why would, why would I do that? Yes. Call it. And Javier is getting antsy. Anton, same guy is getting antsy just to answer the question. I'm going to kill you in anticipation of you not answering my question. It's really, really great. Uh, Again, the best part about the movie is that at any split second, you feel like something could happen. And sometimes it does. Yeah. And there's never a moment where you just kind of sit back and go, okay, cool. Now I can kind of take a minute to figure out what's going on here where everybody stands Nope, there's very, very few moments in that, that movie that allow you to do that. And it, they're obvious when, you know, like in, in any movie when two, two people would be talking about whatever. Uh, there's another, there's a cheeky line that I, I think is great. It's a little mature, but it's still it's still great. Uh, Josh Brolin's character is, he goes home to his wife and his wife, they're sitting there on the t- uh, watching TV and she says something about how he needs to do the dishes or, you know, something that he doesn't like. And uh, he says something like, just keep up your, t- your potty talk. See where that gets you. You know, like you need to take him back in the bedroom yeah. and, and handle business. She's like, keep, keep it up. See what happens. And it's, it's a nice it's a nice little line to kind of explain Josh's character in, in one one sentence that he's, he really just loves his wife and wants to be a simple man. But he comes across this money 
and he doesn't know what to do with it. The movie's great. Stop listening to the podcast right now. Stop telling people to stop listening to the podcast. If I tell them every time, then they'll either get that, the, that it's a good thing or they won't have heard it because they'll have left it at the, <laughs> the end of the first one and go, yeah, we took your advice. And then we came back after we watched the movie. And you were completely yeah. right. It's, uh, man. I mean, that's Javier, my goal. Javier Bardem just, he just nails that character. He's, he's been, yeah, he does. He's, the, the, you're not wrong. He's been bad guys in other movies, uh, and he's been good guys in other movies. The, the the other big movie that people have seen him in as a bad guy is, is um, one of the the newer 007 movies, and he he plays a pretty big pretty good bad guy, but it's nothing compared to it's like his his body type, his bone structure, yeah. his his soul was was made to kind of to kind of embody this character, and his face is just menacing enough. It's not you know he's not um, Ryan Reynolds. And he's not, you know, hey, you guys. Right, right, right. He looks, he looks crazy, just Menacing his regular self. Yeah, he's somewhere right in the middle, right where he should be. It's just like, it's just like he was born to play that role, and he he nails it. He and that that role is just, it's it's the definition in my mind of a lawful evil character. Sure, like sure. He, he, it's not that he has these. It's not morals that he's bound by. It's this this order that he's created. That he said, I exist. My 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 evil that I conduct exists within the bounds that I have created here. Like you said, that the the coin the the call it scene. Like that's a prime prime example of it. Like he just he's so intimidating. Kind of like Jigsaw in in, in the Saw franchise. Sure. Yeah. There are rules. Yes. You know, it's obviously organized chaos, but that at the heart of it, that no, he will not he will not sacrifice the rules to get what he wants. Yeah, he, yeah, he that's will, the important He will play thing. by the rules in order to win. If he doesn't play by the rules, he doesn't. He just, you know, from his perspective, he's obviously nuts, so, you know, he's not going to be a normal chum with, uh, hey, let's go to the schoolyard and, and uh, slap erasers for the teacher. You know, right. not, not uh, he's not that kind of lawful good. Well, I guess I guess from there, my, my, my second movie would be a movie called Project Almanac. Now... A lot of these are probably going to be in the same same scenario here where it's something you may have heard of, but you're like, ah, I just never really watched it, whatever. Only thing you need to worry about. Time travel. <laughs> I'm, I'm also a huge sucker for time travel storylines like Back to the Future as I'm just I'm all about it. Um, it opens up a lot of shenanigans that can happen. Because yeah. Timelines and and wormholes and all sorts of stuff that you could play off of. So, but you've got these these kids who, uh, I think I think their their dad had passed away and but he was he was working on this invention and I think it might have been a secret government type thing titled Project Almanac. So they, it's all it's all done from uh, first person camera shot. So like they they find this old camcorder and they're carrying it around. A lot of times that doesn't work as a style, in my opinion, but I think that it went well with this storyline um, because the camera itself plays an element to the story. It's not just, hey, we didn't want to pay somebody to, you know, <laughs> professionally carry this around. Sure. Um, but they go up in the attic and they find this this basically this time machine, uh, this box type thing and they activate it and 
they're able to jump around and cause shenanigans. And of course, with every time travel story, there's some kind of paradox and it's, you know, it builds up to this big, big climax at the end. Uh, but it's good. I it's it's worth watching. I watched it on a Delta flight airplane. <laughs> so a Delta airplane flight. Get that value. So it was uh, it was worth the watch. So it came out in 2015. So it's reasonably reasonably new. I uh, didn't really have any ma- big name actors from what I could tell. I I didn't recognize any of them. So Hayden, regale us with your third entry into the list. Uh, I chose a Marx Brothers film. Uh, you could have you could have picked any of them. If you've never heard of the Marx Brothers or seen any of their stuff, you're wrong. <laughs> so fix yourself. I used to be wrong and now I'm right. So go see it. Uh, it's called Duck Soup. You could see Night of the Opera, you know, Duck Soup, Horse Feathers, any one of their films. But Duck Soup is just kind of the the general general consensus, their best film. Uh, has one of their most iconic scenes in it where the, the old vaudeville act where the mirror people, they mirror each other, but they, it's not actually a mirror. They just dress the same and do the same actions. And it it uh, degenerates into this you know ridiculous um, course of action. It's great. Basically, um, the Marx Brothers uh, are the Three Stooges before the Three Stooges, Laurel and Hardy before Laurel and Hardy. Mm-hmm. They they basically they, well, comedy. the the they're actually, you know, along the same timeline, actually not not that far off, but they kind of did what those guys did, but better. Uh, the, the the three stooges are all just slapstick and I hit you here and it's funny and your butt hurts and it's funny and I I poke your eyes out or whatever. Yeah. But the Marx Brothers is much more clever entertainment, uh, much more wordplay. Uh, the the kind of the quintessential Marx Brothers line. It's not from this film, but it is from Groucho Marx, the head honcho and uh, the most iconic of the brothers about um, goes something like this. The 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 man's best friend out uh, outside of a dog is a book inside of a dog. It's too dark to read, you know, nyunk, nyunk, nyunk. <laughs> you know, something like that, where it's it's just clever and, and wordplay. And and in this one, he just plays a guy that is a comes in to be the leader of a new fake country called Fredonia. It's, it's real to them, fake to us. And just, you know, shenanigans ensue. There's not really much to say. It's just fantastically amazing. You should go see it. Stop listening to this podcast. Go see it. It's, it's just slapstick. Um, it's it's elegant slapstick. Everything is is done for a reason instead of just, you know, I'm going to hit you in the stomach instead of, you know, doing this. You know, nyuck, nyuck, nyuck. that kind of stuff is is just kind of doing it for the sake of doing it. But this is organized Organized slapstick, much more eloquent, much more, much more intentional, mm-hmm. and uh, the the product, the re- the result shows that. Go see it; it's great. Turn this off. <laughs> uh, my my next entry is actually similar in the fact that uh, you could name any of these films, and it would probably land in the same uh, same area in the list. Um, but I thoroughly enjoy uh, the Studio Ghibli films. Uh, so the one that I would I would say have you have you seen any of them? Have you seen uh, my, like My Neighbor Totoro and Yeah, long long time ago. Um, I watched. I had an old friend who was into those types of 
movies, we used to we used to get wine and just get a different type of wine and drink it and then watch a, a different movie neither of us had ever seen. And yeah. we started to run out of movies that we wanted to see, but he's way more into anime than I am. So sure. So we watched some of that and just you know had a good old time. So it's been five or six years, but yeah, I watched it. So the movie I went with was Howl's Moving Castle. Uh, it is probably in the in, at the very least in my top three Studio Ghibli movies, right up there with uh, My Neighbor Totoro and Spirited Away. Um, Howl's Moving Castle is a it's a visual storybook of a movie, and you could say that about a lot of the Studio Ghibli movies. That it's just this uh, lush style of of uh, animation where it, it's very definitive and it's just as soon as you see it, you know that you're in for the same quality of... As soon as you see it, you know you're watching his film. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so there's, in, in Howl's Moving Castle, there's a young woman. She gets cursed with... Uh, the an old body, Cal. There's this character Calcifer, who is basically just this flame, and he's he's the the thing that powers the steam that makes the the ship move. And at 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 one point, the one of the scenes that I really enjoy is um, there's a door that uh, you close it, and then. Uh, I think you they, they they spin this dial and wherever it lands, he opens it up and it's automatically at another city. So um, he has a a doorway portal to, you know, this this riverside city, this capital city, and just and anywhere that he needs or wants to go, he can just literally open his door and step out and he's right there. Uh, so the cast is really good. It's it's got uh, Gene Simmons, uh, Christian Bale. Um, gosh, man, what is his name? He was in um, City Slickers. Billy Crystal. Yeah, Crystal. Yeah, uh, he actually plays Calcifer, and it was really cool that there was this level of. Um, I guess American presence in uh, Japanese film, which I think really helped it resonate more with the American audience. So, uh, so my my uh, list of movies that you haven't seen but probably should can't exist without a Hitchcock film. I've seen them all, I think, but uh, I I was upset with myself for years having not viewed them earlier and had not watched them all multiple times. It was also set by that. So my favorite, my favorite Hitchcock film is dial in for murder. It is a deliciously simplistic idea where I just like on another film on my list, uh, there is like 12 ring men. There is, there is very little acting outside the one room. There's a, a small bedroom that there's a couple short, short little clips in, but 95 or more percent of the movie takes place in one room. And this guy named Tony Wendis is married to Grace Kelly. Um, Grace Kelly. Grace Kelly. 
Mad TV. So uh, <laughs> he's married to some actress. I can't remember the, the character's name, but uh, Grace Kelly plays his, his wife, and he comes across an old friend from his college days of playing professional tennis and uh, those types of times when he was younger and discovers that his wife, he thinks his wife is cheating on him. So using an old uh, friend from college can set up this situation where he can have his friend kill his old friend, kill his wife, leaving no trace of of him being involved. And then it kind of it doesn't it doesn't uh, it doesn't degenerate or anything like that. But it, it kind of falls apart on Tony Wendis, the, the 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 lead character. And he has to uh, at at every every nook and cranny, every turn, every drop of the hat, uh, re retrace his plan, redraw his plan, and does it flawlessly until the very end. You don't find out if he gets away with it or not. So it's just one of those great films where you just because it goes back and forth. Will he get away with it? Will he not? And uh, the the movie is fantastic. It's it it comes down to just like Twelve Angry Men, two things: the the acting itself and the plot. There's really not much else to say. There's really only four characters. Tony, his wife, uh, her lover shows up at a certain point, and a constable, a police officer, and, and then the guy who um, attempts to kill his wife. So five, but she he's not really in it much. So very, very small cast. Very, very well acted. Obviously incredibly well directed. Uh, I think the movie is a masterpiece and it should be seen by basically everybody, including the people listening to this podcast. Stop listening and go see it. It is a fantastic movie. It's great. It, uh, I, yeah, I think my, my favorite, my favorite part of it is the fact that, like you said, they, they're, the cast is so small and they just tell such a great story with it. Yeah. The, the story is top notch. And the fact that there, there's no, there's no weak links because every, every character is phenomenal and there's only four of them. It's everything that you would want in an excellent whodunit, you know, however you want to label that suspense, suspense film. He is the king of suspense. And this is Exhibit A. It's kind of goes hand in hand with another Hitchcock film called Rope, where it's kind of a whodunit. Will they get away with it? And they both actually were adapted from uh, movies on the stage plays. So they kind of they kind of go and that uh, together in that way. Rope is kind of a a project i guess in shooting things in one take like they i think the whole movie only has four or five takes in it they shoot a 20 minute take all the rooms are right next to each other so they just pan the camera on a on a a a set of wheels and just roll it across the screen and then uh dial in for murder was supposed to be this this three-dimensional project but it was really happening when 3d was was going out of style but it was kind of what they were going for and and uh, didn't take hold, but doesn't matter. Film's great. Go see it. Oh man, I might, I might stay up late and watch it. It's, <laughs> it's one in the morning. We're dealing with it. We got Mountain Dew. We got donuts. That's great. But if, if, uh, if there was somebody here who hadn't seen it before, like another buddy or whatever, we drop everything. We drop our own <laughs> podcast. Take my own advice. Go into the other room and watch it. It's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet again, actually, my next movie kind of falls into the same category line as yours does. So in in the style that you were you were covering, um, Hitchcock, right? Who? What? Alfred. 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 Alf. Alfie. By the way, Alfredo? Alfred is basically the originator of the the cameo. 
Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stan Lee does it because Alfred Hitchcock did it. Mm-hmm. Did it. He does it in all his. I think he did it in all of his um, previews. All his uh, what do you call those previews for a movie? Yeah, uh, uh, like the trailers. Yeah, like trailers. That. Yeah, but he he also does a cameo in all his film mm-hmm. films. He also has a show that you could check out called Alfred Hitchcock Presents, and it's Presents, just a bunch yeah. of short films. Uh, I'll, I'll spoil one because it's great and you should go see it. But this guy tells a story about um, he doesn't have any money and he has to go win. He has to go take his entire life savings and go try to win it at a poker table and uh, has to lie to his wife. And at the very end, you find out that he actually won. So you, this whole time you think, what is he going to do? How is he going to how is he going to explain this to his wife? He's going to become, you know, poor living on the streets. And he won the bet and he just wins all the money and. And, uh, you know, a plot twist for the, uh, you know, the one of the originators of the plot twist, Alfred Hitchcock, if mm-hmm. not the originator. I guess yeah. you could I guess you could call it um, you could call, you know, Bill Shakespeare that guy. But sure, sure. But um, Alfred added his own, you know, legacy to movies. No big deal. Off the top of my head, along with Stan Lee imitating that. I would also say um, M. Night Shyamalan attempts to do the same thing in a lot of his movies, and he, he also heavily takes things from uh, Alfred Hitchcock. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't currently include any of his movies on my list, mostly because um, they, I don't, I don't feel like they quite live up to, they're either too well known, like Signs or Sixth Sense, and I feel like everybody. It has has seen them or like um, um, what was the other one? The village. The village. Yeah, yeah sure. He's got others. But. Um, but and and then whatever other ones he's he's done have just kind of been subpar. Um, but another the other name that comes up is actually linked with my my next movie, which is Quentin Tarantino. Who? Oh, Quentin oh, Tarantino. Tarantino. <laughs> I thought oh. you said Quentin Tarantino, the female version, <laughs> the female one, <laughs> in an alternate timeline. Uh, but he he made films like um, Django Unchained, Pulp Fiction, um, Inglorious Bastards, Kill Bill, just to name a few. That's it. That's all he wrote. That's all he wrote. Uh, the one on my list though is Reservoir Dogs. It's. Kind of along the kind of along the same lines. It's a of um, twelve angry men in the fact that it's it's a it's a simple plot. Um, there's this uh, this bank heist planned, and people the get together. They they all have a certain set of skills, and one's the driver, one's the gunner, whatever. Uh, as soon as they rob the place. Within seconds, the cops show up and it was way, way too fast. So they so they spend the entire movie trying to narrow it down who who the rat is, who's the guy who they've allowed into their circle. One of the guys has been shot. He's like he's dying. Usual suspects. Reservoir dogs. There's lots of good ones out there. Who's the mole? Yeah, exactly. And there's or in gang talk, who's the rat? Who's the who's the rat? Who's the, the dirty rat? rat. Uh, great cast: Harvey Keitel, you dirty um, rat, you dirty rat. Uh, Tim Roth, uh, Michael Madsen, Chris Penn. It's uh, there's just Mr. Pink is done by Steve Buscemi. <laughs> I love Steve. Uh, oh man, it's just 
It's so good. Quentin Tarantino came in and played Mr. Brown. He, spoilers, dies off pretty early. He's actually the reason that they start freaking out. Um, And they have that classic. There's a classic Quentin Tarantino shot where it's from inside of something like uh, briefcase in Pulp Fiction. In this one, it was from a trunk, uh, I believe. And opens up and you can't see what's inside the container, but you see the faces of the people looking in and having sadness, grief, joy, excitement, not, you know, whatever. You're having to judge what's in the in the container from their expressions, Uh, which is way better than just knowing what's in the container. Absolutely. I mean, that was the big thing with Pulp Fiction is there's this there's this briefcase and you never in the entire movie find out what it is. And it's just this like, oh, man, what is it? But um I still see people talking, some old friends that still talk about that on social media. What was in the briefcase? <laughs> you don't get to find out, man. Uh, Deal with it. But this one, Mr. Uh, in in uh, Reservoir Dogs, there's an iconic scene every time that I hear the song, uh, Stuck in the Middle with You. Yeah, that's uh, Steeler's Wheel. Yeah. It's a great song. They... Then they've I've I've seen pe- I've seen shows it's on my phone parody this this scene. Uh, I think Bob's Burgers did an episode did a episode where it contained this. Simpsons but has done it. They he thinks he knows who the mole is, and Mister you find out you find out pretty quick. Mister Blonde is a psychopath, and he just like he does this like dance back and forth to the music, and it's it's a it's a scene. Where he's gonna, he's about to torture this guy to get information out of him, and he, they use the music to set this unsettling tone, because it's like it's a song that you already have association with because you've probably heard it before. I mean, I'm sure it was popular at the time when the movie was released, and he just cuts this guy up, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just amazing. Yes, stop the podcast. Watch Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> Where have I heard that before? It's a pretty good line. I should yeah. use it. You should use it. Yeah. You should yeah. encourage people to stop listening to this podcast. You. It's the podcast shutting down because we're in the other room watching our other eight movies. All, all of these movies. All nine movies. Eight movies. Hayden, what's your next one? How it's, many? How many we got left? Just the last one. Last I said one. My right. favorite for last, not close. It's funny we mentioned movies like The Sixth Sense, The Usual Suspects, The Village. My final inclusion here is the. The reason that I like this genre, this like puzzle, this puzzle film genre where um, the the whole premise of the movie is is to be there right along to try to solve it. And unlike these other movies that we've mentioned, the puzzle can't be undone with a simple declarative explanatory sentence like the the village, you know, kind of you can just say you're in modern times. Here's the twist. Here's the yeah. here, here it is. I see dead people. You know, you're not dead. Boom. That explains the entire movie. Now you can go see any random scene in the movie and go, oh, his yeah. wife doesn't know that he's there. Yeah. And that there it is. Not the case with potentially my favorite movie ever. I have a I have a tough time doing that, saying that in, in any form of media. But there's just such replay value in this movie and anything that I like. Uh, replay value is is probably the, the most important thing to me. And there is no movie that I've ever come across that has more replay value than Memento. Mm-hmm. It is everything that I want in a movie. It um, ha- gives you the, the unique perspective 
of the the lead character, which no other movie I've ever seen does. He suffers from short term memory loss, played by Guy Pierce, and he can't make new memories. So just like you, you walk in and you don't know what's happening. And as the movie goes along, some of it's playing uh, from the beginning of a storyline moving forward. Some of it's playing from the end of a storyline moving backwards. Some of it's in color. Some of it's in black and white. There's some narration. There's story within a story. You know, it, it just leaves you in a jumbled mess. And even when the 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 entire basic plot is outlined for you at the end, you can kind of put some things together. You're still a jumbled mess, just like the title character, if and when he's still alive at the end. And it just leaves you in the exact state that the character is sure, just like in Psycho, you could have somebody pour water on you to help put you in that position where you're getting, you know, slaughtered with a knife in the shower. Yeah. You could do that, but it, it still doesn't effectively put you in the shoes of the main character like Guy Pierce in Memento. It is everything I want in a movie uh, that even even having seen it six or seven times, I could go back and put compare scenes with multiple monitors and see if things are exactly the same kind of compare exactly what he says. And even when you think you figured it out, you haven't even the director, Christopher Nolan says that it can be solved. If you look at the movie and no one is yet able to have, to have officially solved it and gone, Hey, Hey Chris, this is what I think. And he'll go, yeah, that's, that's what I got. I think he's been on put on record as, yeah, if you come to me and give me the reason why give me all the reasons I'm, I'm just going to go. Yeah, you got it. But nobody's done that yet, which is really, really interesting to me. He says it can be done. There are red herrings. There are misleading clues that uh, are designed to distract you or hint at a deeper second layer of a puzzle, which is also great. Even when you figure out the puzzle, you stay you sit back and you go, was that really the puzzle? It's just it just layers upon layers upon layers. Um, so a lot of people think that Christopher bit off more than he could chew. But I think it's just the opposite. I think he could have actually taken on more because once you dive into the rabbit hole, you don't want to get out. Yeah. Like I, I still I still am discovering new things about it. That's why I watch The Simpsons. That's why I play chess. That's why I play Mario Maker. Yeah. I, I just love taking the same thing that I've known for years and learning deeper, more interesting, thought provoking things about the same subject that I thought I had a firm grasp on. Not the case with this movie. It just will never, ever, ever get old. And that's the thing, too, is I can watch I could watch this film with somebody seven times and they'd still be learning. I could still watch them learn the seventh layer of thing. It's just it's just a masterpiece of suspense, of puzzle tree. Yes, it's a word. I just made it up. Uh, stop what you're doing. Take all the other movies that we've mentioned. Pretend they don't exist. Go see <laughs> Memento. It is a masterpiece. It is it is an art form. And it's it's obviously there are other films where there are there are. And I could list them. There are there are other films where they, people have uh, memory problems, but this one is by far the best. I don't. I haven't. I haven't come across another one that that puts me in that position. That makes me feel like that makes me feel like he does. And uh, there's uh, there's all the other uh, aspects of a great film: great acting, manipulation, red herrings, all the things that make you wonder what's happening while it's happening, make you question reality. And then even the twist, if you want to call it that, the twist at the end that makes you go, oh, OK, I'm starting to, to put things together. As soon as you look at it from another perspective, it, it's not what you think it is. So even as soon as you have a grasp on it, 
somebody, as soon as you're two moves from solving the Rubik's Cube, someone comes and smashes it out of your hand and it breaks into a million pieces. Mm -hmm. And then they add four pieces. And so now you have to try to figure out what, which, which ones are the extra pieces? What get, why, why would you do this to me? Because it's great. And and I, I struggle with it all the time. Whenever I watch it, I still can't remember exactly who said what, when, why, (laughs) and it's still great. It's, it's, it's probably the best non it, if I had seen it in a theater, it would be the best movie experience I've ever experienced in my life. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that many movies in theaters because I think it's a bit of a waste of money and I like value and movie theaters are not value. But the idea of seeing that in a theater and then just the screen turning off and the lights coming up and nobody saying a word. It's just kind of everything that I want in a movie. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what happened to me in Inception, even though that wasn't as near good a film. But go see it. Pretend the other movies that I listed don't exist. If you if you can only see one movie for the rest of your life, you could you could watch Memento and you would not get sick of it until twenty twenty five. It would just it would just continue to amaze you and make you go, I haven't even considered that yet. You know that that kind of thing. I'm gonna shut up before. Uh, <laughs> next week's giveaway. podcast starts. No, yeah. not before that, but just before. I, I'm just repeating myself because I don't want to give anything away. The, mm-hmm. the movie is a masterpiece. Chris Nolan's best film. Sure, sure. I would absolutely agree with that. And the 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 key thing for me with that movie is definitely, like you said, that it just it puts you so directly in the shoes of the protagonist. Yeah, you like, can't do, you like, are, Lord of the Rings, what are you going to do, hold a sword? Yeah. And go, walk, look, I'm a hobbit, my my feet are hairy and large. For walk my, for a really my body long size. time. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't do it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a fantastic film. Um, and uh, brings me to my number one, which we had talked about. Uh, we, 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 I actually stole this one from you uh, because... For some reason, I hadn't thought of it. I didn't. I hadn't thought. I hadn't. I hadn't questioned that people may not have seen. Because you just don't know what a good movie is. That's fine. Okay, obviously, obviously. Um, uh, my number one is Cool Hand Luke. Um, it is just a. It's just a good movie. Like it's. It's this guy Luke. He uh, gets. He gets arrested for something that's just super stupid, and you can tell he's doing it just. Cause he's he's bummed about life or something. He's bored, whatever reason. He he's he's cutting the tops off of parking meters, and uh, the cops pull up and they're like, "Well, you're you're going to jail now." And he's like, "Yeah, whatever." And he's just this attitude, this no care attitude, uh, just translates through the entire movie, and uh, it's just how he has. A cool hand, I guess. <laughs> he just he just exists. Yeah. He just he doesn't change who he is. And I mean, you could say that simply and and uh, not be wrong. You could say it like that. But he really just is what he what what you see is what you get. You know, he, he says he can do something. Then he tries to do it, you know, moves on to the next thing. It doesn't happen. Moves on to the next thing. You know, he, obviously he creates his own problems, but he also doesn't complain when the problems he created, you know, puts a wrench in the the works of what he wants to do. So he, which he doesn't really have an agenda. So it's just kind of, okay, well, tomorrow's another day. He just, he just keeps going until his days are gone. You know, it's just kind of, it's just kind of, uh, the nature of, of human existence. If Mm -hmm. you want to get a little deeper, but you know what, there's lots of people who said that doing what you want to do for fun is just, is just, uh, you know, count, what are you going to do before you die? What are you going to do? How are you going to spend your time? 
counting out your days and cool hand Luke is the opposite side of that spectrum. I have time. I don't care that I, I have time question mark. I don't care. I'm just going to whatever, you know, put, put mm. eggs in front of me. I'll eat them. Yeah. But, you know, put me in a box. so I can't get out, you know, in jail. I'll sit there. I'll get out. I'll go back to work. It's, it's really not a big deal. I'm just going to do whatever I want, however I want. And mm-hmm. if you're in the way, then I guess you're in the way. Yeah. It's, it, I feel like a lot of the movie is spent presenting scenarios where any other person would buckle. Yeah. And definitely yeah. react X plus Y, you know, like this is how they're, they would definitely react in the situation. But with him, it's just, he's 37. He's just, Chill. Yeah. It's just, well, all right. One of the most iconic lines of, of all time in any, in any film. What we have here is failure to communicate kind of sums up, Mm. kind of sums up the scene, but also the movie and, and Luke's, um, Luke's, uh, persona. And it just, it's it's a very, 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 very good scene. The whole movie is fantastic, but yeah, I I feel like towards the end, it, He's 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 kept this cool pers- persona demeanor the entire movie, and the world is sick of it and is trying to find something to break him. Yeah, just, he, to, they come, the, the, comes to this apex of you know, I have to choose to actually, I I have to choose to actually take action, be proactive for once in my life, and I don't want to. And now he's he's faced with this decision in a church, no less. Yeah. And uh, the rest is uh, the rest is history. I'm not going to spoil it. Cool Hand Luke is the movie. Black and white movies get a bad rep. They have a stigma for you know odd, call call it uh, you know the the 21st century problem, or the fact that uh, you know everybody likes everybody likes a big a big explosion or something like that. But Cool Hand Luke is the first movie I go to when people say, I don't want to watch an old movie. I just I just want to I just want to, uh, you know, watch this big, you know, explosion. I always want to watch my favorite actor. I just want to, you know, watch this cool thing that everybody else is going to in the theater. This is how I introduce people to, to old movies. They watch it and they go, why, why? What? What have I been doing? Absolutely. Why? Why? What? What's wrong with you? Why didn't you introduce this to me earlier? Because you weren't willing, man. Because <laughs> you wouldn't go, go see it. Stop what you're oh, doing. Man. Go see Memento and then go see Cool Hand Luke. It's just so good. It's uh, I don't I don't I can't explain I can't explain why it's my favorite movie. It's you just, can, but that, that's part of what makes it so great. Is yeah, that you can't explain it. Same, yeah. same goes for my favorite movie. Uh, I have I have other favorites that could be included on here. My honorable mentions would include, but wouldn't be limited to Spaceballs, Princess Bride, Groundhog Day. You know, those types of movies where, you know, the, the mockumentary, the making fun of another, you know, big, big blockbuster hit or something like that. Uh, and those movies that you've probably heard of, but the movies that I listed are, are not really comedies at all. There's a hint of comedy in, in, in a, a touch of comedic class in Dial in for Murder. But and in and in Cool Hand Luke, um, that whole scene is actually really funny to me that the, the climax at the end. But yeah. For the most part, Duck Soup is obviously a comedy. I forgot about that for a second, but that's that's slapstick physical comedy. It's not exactly... I mean, it is wordplay, but it's not exactly uh, something you quote all day. Oh, you remember that old Duck Soup line? doesn't really come No. Out. Yeah, that's not a thing. <laughs> I, I mean, I would say that my my honorable mentions uh, tied, tied for first, actually, for my favorite movie, along with Cool Hand Luke, is actually the uh, Disney's Robin Hood 
Uh, it's just a movie that has a lot of um, sentimental value to it. So the movie itself, it, whatever. That's it has the it has the old um, Technicolor uh, look to it before they switched before Disney switched over, and it just it just looks like the classic Disney film before does, before yeah. they switched the 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 coloring process over. It's got the, it's got that classic that that. Yeah, the, the little oh, jingles. It's by, like it's, uh, as soon as you hear it, it just I'm like, oh man, yeah. By the rooster, yeah. That's oh, it's good. Uh, really quick, honorable mention: Snowpiercer, uh, Great Escape, Boondock Saints, Daybreakers, Catch Me If You Can, Prestige. All good movies. Just didn't make the cut. Go watch them at some point later after you watch these movies. Yeah, if you want to go, make time for those other ones, but or whatever. Yeah, the ones the ones we mentioned are the ones you should see first. So, all right, that wraps it up for us this week. Thanks again for listening, uh, Hayden. Do you have any last last words you want to pitch? Uh, whatever I say, they shouldn't hear it because they be, should be off watching yeah. movies. Yeah, stop listening Nerds. to this podcast now, right now. Stop uh, listening right to now. this podcast right now. The, the podcast. Stop listening to us. The podcast. Right. It's now. Just a bunch of white noise. <laughs> right now. Right now. See, it's degenerated. We can't. We can't be trusted. End of podcast. We can't be trusted. By Kevin. By Kevin. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. And I'm wondering what it is I should do. It's so hard to keep the smile from my face. Losing control. That wraps it up for this episode. As always, if you liked it, you can rate, comment, subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. If you want to connect with us or just find out what's coming up next on the show, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at BitXBitPodcast. You can also search preferred podcast platform under the same name. If you want to be part of the show, you can email us at BitXBitPodcast at gmail.com. You can send us your topics, questions, suggestions, comments, or corrections. Just remember that if it's a correction, please put the words FIX IT in all caps in the subject bar. Be sure to include a name, email, username, handle, or some other title for us to refer to you on the show. It could even be your gamer tag if you wanted. Just let us know what platform and we'll include it at the end. If you want to throw a couple of dollars our way, you can support us at patreon.com slash bitxbitpodcast. If you don't have any money, you can support us by sharing episodes or voting for us on podcastland.com to help get our name out there. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Uh, a lot of these are movies that I've actually... That's the end of that sentence. Anyway. We did it. All right, guys. <laughs> join us next week for actual content. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.